Hi, Eric Goldwine here from LTCCC's Nursing Home Podcast, and I am here with LTCCC's policy attorney, Haley Cronquist. This is not going to be a typical podcast episode, but instead we're going to preview a special project uh, that we hope will preserve the voices of residents, of families, and advocates for years to come. So over the last several months, the LTCCC team has been conducting short interviews to learn about the experiences uh, in long-term care during COVID. Uh, we spoke to uh, residents, we spoke to their loved ones, we spoke to advocates, legislators. And Haley, what was our aim with these interviews? So the COVID-19 pandemic has, has had and is having a disastrous effect on the world. Um, and people have seen that in the, the number of cases and deaths. And most people know that it's had a really catastrophic effect on nursing homes. But it's it's not just in the numbers of COVID-19 cases and deaths, because it goes so far beyond that. It's, it's the isolation and the loneliness, the restrictions on visitations, family members not being able to, to see their loved ones for so long, having to do window visits in the middle of, of winter, you know, family members are sitting outside in the cold. And so it's, it's had a really hard effect on, on family members as well. And these are the stories that, that we've heard so much about. And so, like you said, we wanted to maintain a historic record of the impact um, that it's had. And so again, we reached out to, to residents and family members, advocates, and just did short interviews about their experiences during the pandemic to really give them a voice and to to let them share their own experience throughout. And I guess we should note, it's not all doom and gloom, these uh, interviews. They, uh, a lot of them, they had had tears, uh, there was crying, but there's also laughing and there's also some hope. There's also some really touching stories about I'll call them reunions, uh, the experiences of, of residents seeing their family members after lockdowns of, of hundreds of days. And we also asked each participant about the changes they want to see next. So there's a, there's a range of emotions involved in these interviews. And you can find this at nursinghome411.org slash oral dash History again, nursinghome411.org/oral-history. We'll we'll put a link in the show notes. When you get to that page, you'll see uh, each of the uh, different interview participants. You can click click their names, and you'll be brought to a specific page. And then you can either hear um, segments of the interviews, or you can you can listen to the full five to ten to fifteen minute interview as a whole. So in this episode, we're gonna we're about to play a short clip from one of the participants named Bruce Carmona. He's a nursing home resident. Uh, Haley actually conducted this interview. Can you tell me a little bit about Bruce? Yeah, Bruce is from um, from Dallas, Texas, and he's been living in a home. I can't remember exactly for how long, but he was he was a really active guy before he. Um, had an accident and he was uh, ended up in the nursing home. And so one of his you know really big struggles throughout the pandemic was that he was not able to to do his daily exercise that he really enjoyed. And you know he talked about being in lockdown for four hundred and fifty days. And something that I remember, I don't know if it was specifically from Bruce or if it was from other residents, but one thing that I remember was just when they were able to go outside for the first time and feel the sun on their faces. I mean, that is, is such a simple thing that 
most of us were able to enjoy every day. And so to not have that for so long is just heartbreaking. All right. Thanks, Haley. So up next is a, is a preview of, uh, of this oral history project. It's uh, Bruce Carmona's interview. And again, the project is available at nursinghome411.org slash oral history. My name is Bruce Carmona, and I'm living in uh, Elk Grove Village, Illinois, at a nursing facility called Manor Care. Um, I'm 63 years old. I've been in the facility for almost three years. Um, I'm trying to get out and move into my home apartment now. Uh, it'll probably be August before I move, but I really don't need to be in the facility uh, any longer, so I'm going to move out. Um, I was actually, I'm from Texas, Dallas, Texas. I, um, I got injured in Michigan in a water, water accident and my brother lives down the street. So he could help me out some. And so you, uh, lived in the facility all throughout the pandemic. Yes. I lived in the facility through the pandemic from, uh, I actually got COVID in in um, May of 2020, I believe it was March or May. I don't remember exactly, it's been a while. Um, caught COVID and ended up going to the hospital for other reasons. Uh, I couldn't hold anything down, couldn't drink anything. Then they wouldn't let me out of the hospital until my fever was gone. And I, bear, I didn't have a whole lot of complications, but after COVID, I lost my hair. Um, my stomach acid was overproducing. Just a bunch of little things happened. I had to get fixed. My, my toenails started growing sideways. Basically, uh, I never had ingrown toenails till then. And wow. so I had to get those fixed. And my hair was going bald. The doctor gave me some potion to put on it. My hair grew back. So I got it all straightened out. Um, it was quite the time during that time we, we had. Uh, a lot of residents pass away in our facility. Some of them I knew, some of them I didn't know. And it lingered on. Right now we're at the stage where we're still locked down even like 450 days after the pandemic you know, started. We're still locked down. They won't let us go anywhere except to medical, uh, medical appointments. Um, I'm lucky to able to get a pass now and then to go somewhere like if I need to go to my haircut or something, they'll give me a pass, but they won't give me, like 2019, won't give me free reign to come and go as I want, uh, which is bothering me quite a bit uh, mentally. Um, I'm used to being very active. I'm probably the most active person in this whole facility. Most people here are older and then the ones that are younger than me can get out and be active, but they choose not to. Um, I'm very... I'm an advocate for my health care, if you want to call it that. So I'm kind of a, we're not used to that here. And I end up getting in, not in trouble, but some of the people don't like it, you know, but I can't, I got to have things taken care of correctly. And this is why I'm an advocate. I also got on the Illinois Caregiver Compromise, which has helped me quite a bit, learn a lot about, um, advocating and, and the, you know, just, just uh, all the rules that, that it's set forth for COVID and so on and so forth. So it's helped me quite a bit. 
Yeah, it's, it's so important to, uh, to be an advocate for yourself. Um, so it's, I'm glad that you're able to do that. Um, so you said that you're, you're a very active person. So how have some of the hobbies and activities that you participate in, how have those been affected by the COVID pandemic? Basically, we don't do hardly any activities here anymore. We used to do exercise classes together. We don't do that hardly anymore. Um, all we get to do basically now is sit outside for half an hour a day. Um, if it's not raining or too cold, that's it, basically. Everybody watches TV all day. They've been watching TV for over a year. Um, or they sleep. Um, we don't get out of our rooms that much anymore because there's really nothing to do. They won't let us. They're keeping us locked down for no reason that I can see. Um, now we have had a resurgence of COVID in the facility um, the last two months ago or a month ago. We have some people that have been vaccinated that caught COVID again. I don't know where it came from, but they quarantined them in a different part of the facility. So we're able to get out of our room at least now and then move around. Um, it's affected me quite a bit because I'm, in 2019, I put 1,200 miles in my wheelchair, um, going to concerts and movies and hanging out with my brother and going to the gym. I was... Uh, I actually got back into the gym three days a week um, in 2019. And then 2020, that all crashed when COVID came. I haven't been in the gym since, which bothers me because I need to get stronger to be able to lift myself on my wheelchair, do activities and stuff like that. And the only thing I have right now is a six, six and a half pound ball with some rubber bands to keep me strong. And I work out with that the best I can and move around in my chair a lot. I don't get any rehab anymore, basically, because insurance or whatever the reason may be, they don't want me to or whatever. So it's affected me quite a lot, mentally, physically, and everything. I can't go out to church. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm trapped. I'm locked down. And that's exactly how I feel like I'm in the prison. Everybody says that, but it's true. It's, it's very true because it's not right to, I don't feel that these facilities should control our life that much and lock us down in the facility if we're able to go out. I mean, people are going out without masks now. It's safer okay, than it was. I want to go sit in a park. If I can't go sit in a park in my chair, I can't go shopping. I can't do anything. So it, it really bothers me quite a bit. Yeah, we've we've heard a lot of the um, the resident interviews that we've done. It's it's a lot of um, feeling like it's prison, and you know, I mean, I say that I understand that, but obviously, I'm not. Um, I can't understand it as well as you. So I understand. I I get your frustration. It's it's got to be really difficult. So what has have you had? I mean, you've talked a lot about uh, challenges that you faced during the pandemic. Have you had any high points? Yes, my highest point was when. I finally won the right to move out of the facility. I petitioned to get out of the facility through the Colbert Williams decree with with a uh, entity here in, in uh, Illinois in Elk Grove Village, who actually walks you through and does the transition. The first one appealed, I had to appeal it, I lost. Second one I lost, third one I got hold of everybody in the state because I'm, I'm very well known in the state now, I've actually, uh, been asked to be on the long-term care um, advisory board for the state and the long-term care council. 
which are two good things for me, because I know the inside of the facility, at least this one, and how and from people I've talked to, know the inside of other facilities and how they're taken care of. And I'm an advocate for nursing home reform because I think it's needed. They get away with too much in the nursing homes, trying to control your life. And there's no repercussions at all. But um, my highest point is my third time I did it, they denied me. And then I got an attorney from Equip for Equality and probably three months into it, they overturned the denial to I'm, I'm able to move out. So I'm in the process of doing the transition. It's probably gonna take about 10 more weeks and I'll be able to move out. And into my own apartment and be free again. That'll be uh, really wonderful. And so it's, I mean, I'm, I love that you're such a strong advocate, not only for yourself, but it sounds like really for, for everyone in, in long-term care facilities. So after spending three years in the facility, what would you, what would you say is the biggest change that you'd like to see? Well, staffing is one of the biggest changes. I'd like to see better staffing, more training, and more bodies working, more people working in the facility. I know it's probably not going to go that way. I think people are going to go out of the facility and go to um, um, agency CNAs, more or less, because one thing, I don't think the facility is going to be around in the next 10 years. I think it's going to be completely different um, if things go the way I've been reading about. Uh, if the states crack down on the facilities, I don't think facilities would be like they are now. In 10 years from now, or even five years from now, or even three years from now, I think there's going to be a lot of major changes. I'd like to see a, a, a change in management, the way management operates, because a lot of managers don't walk the facility. They don't know. They don't know the rules for a lot of stuff. Like, let's say, if they want to trade out a roommate, they don't know the proper procedures to do that. Okay. There are procedures in the state manual, surveyor's manual that you're supposed to follow and they don't follow. And so managers, corporate runs this facility, basically. The manager's here, she doesn't walk around. Corporate dictates everything they do. So they can't let us outside without corporate's approval. And so these corporate giants that have a lot of money are trying to control the facilities control people's lives. I don't think it's right. It needs to be changed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, especially about staffing. That is something that we are constantly pushing for, not only in New York, but just nationwide. I mean, it's the numbers are, we, we put out the staffing numbers every quarter and every quarter we find that staffing numbers are, are too low to provide good quality of care. So, um, the staffing is the bigger facilities need to open their own schools, CNA schools. Okay. That's all there is to it. I mean, there's no other way to do it. Okay. There's not enough schools. There's not enough people. They need to recruit people, get out there, recruit people, pay them better because these people do work hard. Okay. And you pay them more money. And the bigger, bigger corporate, uh, corporate uh, facilities and bigger facilities need to have a school so they have a constant supply of. 
of fresh CNAs or fresh nurses. They can't open a nursing school, but they can open a CNA school and train CNAs. They can even train them on site. They only have to open a school. Bring them in, train them on site, go out in the street, grab them, say, you want to be a CNA, pays X amount of dollars, we're going to train you. It would be really good if companies did that. Well, I think that's all for this interview. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks so much, Bruce. Have a good one.